and welcome to the show now. I'm glad that you could make it. Freedom from the dizzy throng into a mono world. I got sunshine on a six string. Sweet lies, you're gonna be. You've got to be authentic. It's not just in music; it's in life in, in life. general. You know, you've mm. got to you've got to be authentic. Um, otherwise, what does it all mean? You know. This is episode number eleven with the talented performing artist and icon in the Australian music industry, Steve Belby. Today, I'm thrilled to have one of the all-time great Australian musicians on the show and an icon in the industry. From first appearing on TV Talent Quest show pot of gold at the age of 12 in 1976 to going on to founding and producing Aussie chart toppers band Noiseworks in 1986 with great mate Justin Stanley. Countless worldwide tours, four multi-platinum award-winning albums and various ARIA award nominations later, as well as performing on vocals and guitar for David Bowie's Hours Session. This man has also delivered the rebirth of Australian cricket in the 2018-19 summer, composing and producing the new Test Cricket theme song for Fox Sports, and now is launching a brand new record titled I Think I Know For Sure. Please welcome the amazing Steve Belby. <laughs> that's, that's a nice intro, man. Thank you. <laughs> you must have worked hard on it. I did. I did, Steve. I've done, I've done a lot of research the last uh, week or so. And it's, uh, <laughs> mate, it's a real pleasure to have you on. So thanks so much for having me at, at your house and in, and, in, and in your studio. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, great to meet you, mate, and great to have a chat. Thanks. Steve, I'm really interested to know, how did it all start for you and, and where did your love for music come from? It's funny, and uh, we were just chatting off off air uh, about a song called "All I Own Is Now" that you know I'd written in in isolation. And uh, yeah, there's a video that my daughter made for me. It's all old Super 8 footage, and the, the the video starts with me. I think I'm four years old, and I'm cruising down. I got these really nice shorts and long Bermuda <laughs> socks on, <laughs> some nice black shoes, nice Maltese waggy look. Yeah. Um, cruising down the hallway playing a guitar. It was a toy guitar, but I was playing it and I was performing to camera doing this. <laughs> it started then. Uh, and, and I do distinctly remember being with my cousins running around playing and stopping and hearing the Beatles cartoon. Remember the Beatles? Oh, you <laughs> remember the Beatles cartoon. <laughs> forgot who I'm talking about. I know the to. Beatles, but I'm yeah, not sure yeah, about yeah. the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Chris, there used to be a Beatles cartoon. It was in black and white. And he used to play the songs and he used to follow the bouncing ball. Yep. Uh, follow the lyrics and that. And I remember just going, bang, something hit me. I just fell in love with that music. I love the idea that these four guys are running around. Now how a whole heap of girls running after them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, it all started there. Plus my uncle was a drummer. Uh, and, you know, I lived in a, I grew up in a house in Newtown with my grandparents, my parents, my uncle and an auntie and her husband. One of my uncles owned a reception hall, so everyone worked there yep. as waiters, but my, my drumming uncle played in a band there. So I used to go there. He used to babysit me. Yep. So I'd go and play tambourines, learn how to set up drums. and So it would have been, you know, maybe six or six, seven. Yeah, so I started at a really young age for you then yeah. and, and just that influence. So what was your biggest influence in your life then really? Was it your music or was there a, a mentor that you had or was it, as you just mentioned, with your family members going down? Yeah, it's funny. Music music was always a, an internal thing, you know. Uh, look, I, I, you met Valentino, my little boy. He's eight. He ran in this morning, you know, now I haven't shown him any guitar, but he's written this song. He found some chords and he's singing along and, and he's made a piece of music. Same with on the piano. He just makes pieces up, but not just fluke. He works on them. He can hear. He instinctually finds grooves and patterns. Yeah. And that drum kit, he should hear and play drums. It's just there. Yeah. So you don't have any choice. You're kind of like walking along in the day and then music starts coming out and you think, well, excuse me for a minute. Everyone's so connected to music though, aren't they, really? Mm. It, it's, it's, it's almost like a universal language where we all, are, we, 
whether it's a song that we love or a band that we love, we're all so connected and um, you can see why, even with your son, as you just mentioned, he's finding his own way in, in, in the industry or in music at the moment. Look, it is, it is a universal language. I've often thought, you know, there are people out there that don't like music, just don't do music. That's pretty pretty strange. Yeah. They must be out there. I mean, that's that's fair. I've, I'm not saying that with any kind of intention or judgment. I'm just saying there are people that don't like music. They're real minority. I also have the other thing where, you know, technology and, and you know, people listening, kids are listening to music all the time, and I think that's ridiculous. Mm. Like, you know, walk down a street, walk down a street. Now, you don't have to always listen to music. You know, what's wrong? I'd prefer my son to get on a school bus and read a book than listen to music. Yeah. So you can listen to music anytime. I say to him, read a book on the way to school and listen to music on the way back. If you're going to school, you wake your brain up and on the way home, you just want to chill. Relax. That's but a good like all the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Steve, as I mentioned off the top, as a 12-year-old, I think it was you and your cousins, I believe, appeared on TV talent quest show Pot of Gold, and then just a short 10 years later at the tender age of 22, um, you and great mate Justin Stanley founded the famous Australian band Noiseworks. Um, mate, can you take me back, <laughs> pardon the pun, <laughs> to 1986 and explain how it all started and, 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 and what that what that was like for you? Yeah, can I tell you about the pot of gold thing first? Yeah, please do, please do. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was I think I was 13 and, you know, I was in a band called the Apaches with my cousins and we had these silk shirts with puffy collars, the parents, you know, and bow ties. <laughs> and we played Fox on the Run and... Uh, we did pretty well. Got a bit of a ribbing from this guy, Bernard King, I think his name was. The long, the, the, the short story of it is we came second and we got beaten by a clown. Oh, you're joking. No, true story. <laughs> beaten by a clown. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, scooting, scooting forward. Like, uh, you know, I was in bands through school. Um, I remember I was about 16. I was in the last, I was in year 10. I think it was after the first term in year 10 and, and I was really distracted and I was already playing in pubs and, and having kind of, I was distracted from school and the principal called my dad to school and there was a few incidents happened and uh, he said, look, Steve's really distracted. I don't think he really wants to be here. If he gives up music and focuses I, we'll let him finish year 10. If not, he's not welcome back. And wow. I sat in the principal's office with my dad, the principal, and it seemed like an eternity. I could see dad thinking. And he went, okay, looks like he's not coming back. We walked wow. out of school that day. But last time I left my bag there, everything. Wow. And dad said to me, you know, if you want to do music, now's the time. Isn't that incredible? Like to have, I cool mean, dude, man. Yeah, absolutely. John Belby. And you would, <laughs> John <laughs> Belby, there yeah. you go. You wouldn't, that would be so unusual for a, a parent to sort of say, skip your education and go follow what you love and what you know is what you to be true to yourself. Yeah. And, um, and oh, mate, wow, what a story. What and and a look, story. look how it's turned out. John was right. John was right. And, you know, I left, you know, and then I, back in the day, I'd, I remember the very next day getting the Sydney Morning Herald and looking up ads and, you know, musician, monster musician, you know, to write. So I started working and just writing with different people. Lo and behold, it was only a month or two later that I was in the kitchen and mum answers the phone and there's a guy called Kevin Borich on the phone. Uh, you might be, Kevin is a bit of a legend. Um, just finished playing big concert tour with Santana and, he was oh, yeah. pretty mega. <clears throat> and mum's on the phone saying, it's Kevin Borich and uh, he wants to talk to you. So I'm on the phone, I'm 16 and a half. And Kevin's going, look, I saw you playing and got some tours coming up. Loved you, love you to come and, and play and um, love you to come on the road with me. I said, hey, mum, can, can I go on the road? She said, what's the road? 
<laughs> we've worked it out. So anyway, I, I ended up, um, you know, joining Kevin Borich. My first, my first gig was in New Zealand with a band called Didi Smash. It was ten thousand seater. How's this for a story, man? I um, I got the tapes from Kevin to learn the material. Uh, I was currently up in Tweed Heads with the school band I was in. We were doing a residency. Uh, they were very annoyed that I was leaving the band, so I stayed somewhere else. I stayed at a friend's house who was the sound guy for a three-piece blues band. Somehow, long story short, I start, the tapes got mixed up and I was, I was learning all the wrong material. Oh, no. I get on my first aeroplane heading over to New Zealand, sitting next to Kevin, and I've gone, hey, Kev, what's going on here? And I pass him the headphones and he goes, who is it? Oh, you, you, your heart would have dropped. Oh, just heart dropped. I can think, what do you mean? Who is it? I'd spent like two weeks learning a whole set of some other blues. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We've got a gig that night. So instead of getting off the plane in New Zealand and finding guitar and going to rehearsal, Kev's gone, no, it's, don't worry, man, it's, it's blues, you'll be fine. We go to Paul Hewson's house. I don't know if you know a band called Dragon. And Dragon, yeah. Notorious for their... their uh, drug abuse. Um, we went to Paul's house and the next thing I knew, I'm 16 and a half, I've got a needle of drugs in my arm. Really? And I'm sick as a dog, I'm vomiting. So my first gig, professional gig, was in front of 10,000 people <laughs> playing bass. I'm like vomiting. And wow. Give a golfers me a whiskey at the end of the night. You know, well done. Jeez. But that was the scene back then, wasn't it, Steve? Well, not, it was all in brawl back then. Not that I'm saying it's right at all, but that was that was. And look, I don't know too much about it, but that that was music in the industry, wasn't it? Really, it seemed to be part and parcel. There's not many gigs you can, not many jobs you can go to, and uh, you know, have a bunch of beers and you know, go and do your work. Go and do your work. Yeah. And in fact, you know, in fact, you know, with a little, you know. Uh, down the line, music isn't either really. Mm. You know, I don't. You know, I've been abstinent now for twenty-one years. You just said that off air. Yeah, yeah. and 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 I realised through that whole process um, that you know, when you're doing that sort of behaviour, you're playing music on from an ego level. You're doing it. It's all about you, mm. right? And what I realised that music is a gift, and I have it, and it's my duty to give it. Yeah, you know, and so I think it's really important to, uh, you know, to be, to be within yourself and and actually to be able to operate and give your whole everything, not just the tipsy bits. Absolutely. Know? So so then, how did that that obviously brand new experience for you um, getting thrown into a you know, in front of ten thousand fans, which is as a 16, 17 year old. Um, been you know sort of shown these drugs and alcohol and then so how how did you then move from that Steve to then as I mentioned forming Noiseworks um, a short time later? Yeah, well I was with Kevin for four years and then I started um, once again the Sydney Morning Herald came into it and I answered an ad saying a guy wanted with a recording setup wanted to write with people and. I answered this ad and I was walking down the street to his house and there was this tall, lanky cat walking the other way and it was Justin Stanley. He'd answered the same ad. Oh, and we what? ended up, long story short, working together for about a year and then uh, I did a session for uh, John Stewart and Kevin who had a band called The Change. Long story short, we ended up sort of going, forming Noiseworks. Um, but that was a real, I sort of lived, lived a double life from there. Uh, and I'm not saying that that incident in, in New Zealand uh, started me on, uh, you know, an addictive sort of road because I was already there. Mm. Uh, it was just, just in me. I was born like that. Yep. There's no necessarily any reason for it, I think, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, there's just a dis-ease, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm an egomaniac with an inferiority <laughs> complex. <laughs> but um, so, you know, I from that 
New, New Zealand incident, I'd kept sort of using, mm. you know, and then Noiseworks started and then we wrote some songs, we got a record deal like that and we had a hit and I couldn't keep it up, you know. So I remember on Noiseworks' first first gig before we'd released anything, I'd sort of tried stopping uh, using the drugs and um, and I didn't know at the time, but I was in withdrawals and I really wasn't well. I ended up in, after that show, I ended up in uh, North Shore Hospital with alcohol poison. Right. So I just switched. Mm. Then I started sort of, um, you know, just drinking a lot and and that's how I sort of got through the noise works period. Really? Okay. Yeah. Would you say the noise works period was, um, did you feel as though that was where you you really made it? As as a band or musician, did did that propel you to where you are now? Obviously, did did you find that that's what it's happened? Pretty amazing, Chris. I mean, I I, I listened to a, a, one of your podcasts that you did with Binger, and um, and that thing of visual, visualization, and um, you know, I'd always knew that I could do this music thing. Just just had a feeling that uh, I just got to do what I need to do and it'll be okay. And, you know, it's a pretty amazing feeling, you know, touring here, uh, it escalated fairly fairly quickly, Probably even though the work prior took a long time. Yes. Um, it escalated fairly quickly and, you know, you start getting platinum albums and you start touring uh, the world and you see people starting to queue up in those places and, there was a level of success that I felt like, yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm actually doing it. But then there's that, that, that inferiority complex thing, that fear that I remember one time I took a girlfriend up to the mountains. We were living, having a really splashing a bit of cash around and, you know, a nice yeah. car and, you know, having spas and, you know, and I was, I was in this spa and I was thinking about my brother and, um, you know, he was working on the council at the time, you know, digging roads and something something happened to me that day. I sort of like felt like I don't deserve this. Mm. Um, I felt guilty. Right. You know, and and I went out on a road of destruction from there. From there. I sort of, um, there was two things that, you know, I got to a point, when Noiseworks had hit a high, you know, Justin and I had written, written a couple of songs that got the, the record to number one. And I was never supposed to just be a bass player, though. Mm. I was started off as a, a guitar player. I was a singer, guitar player. Yeah. And I kind of felt like I got trapped in, in that position that's not yours. You were hitting the ceiling and you knew that you had more more to give or more to offer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't, I wasn't being authentic. Right. I can play bass, you know, mm-hmm. but I can play a bit of drums. But my thing is to write a song and give it to you. Yeah. That's what my that's what my job is. Yeah. You know, it's my life. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't able to do it. So <clears throat> I remember one night, you know, we were on tour. We had number one record sellouts, <clears throat> sellout tour again. And how big were the crowds, by the way? Oh well, back then, you know. Um, the, the, the scene was, it wasn't festival scenes back then. No. It was like uh, 2,000 seaters, you know, 3,000 seaters, and we would be doing them four, five, six nights a week. Wow. And filling them. Yeah. yeah so it was good. It, it was good earn um, and good times. Yeah. But that thing we'd been eating away, you know, the first five years of Noiseworks was, wow, this is cool. Yeah. And then, the, then I was sort of going, oh, this is cool. I, I appreciate it. But, and then there was one night, you know, Justin and I rooming together and we always have a little dictaphone. We're always recording. We're actually, you know, I can be candid. I was, I was split. We were on ecstasy. <laughs> Jamming away, making music, and it's all yeah. We stopped, and Justin said, Why can't music be like this all the time? And I said, It can. Let's leave the band. And and it was quiet. It's funny, it's all recorded. I've got it somewhere (laughs) under my house. (laughs) And uh, we thought, Okay, let's go to bed. 
and we'll, you know, eventually we'll go to bed and we'll see what we think in the morning. And um, just like Justin and I first met, it was funny. He was at, at, in a bedroom at the end of the hallway to me and we both got, must have gotten up at the same time. We both ended up at the door looking at each other, <laughs> walked down the hallway like we did that first meeting. And we said, what do you think? And he said, yeah, let's do it. Let's so, do it. Um, yeah, we had to call a lawyer because it was fairly big business back yeah. then. It wasn't just a matter of, see you guys. But, it was uh, a lot to consider. Again, though, Steve, and credit to you, similar to when you just told the story when you were 16 and you left school and you knew you loved music, credit to you for sticking, you know, you had a realisation then that, you know what, there's something more for me. I'm, I, I, you know, this has been great. It's been a great five, six years, however long it, it, it yeah, came to nearly, that. Nearly a decade. Yeah, yeah, nearly a decade. And you came to that realisation with Justin, hey, you know what, there's, uh, this has been great, but, you know, maybe it's not for me exactly what we're doing now. Maybe we can, you know, move on and do something else. Yeah. Look, I tell my kids and, you know, sometimes I get the opportunity to sort of mentor young musicians, uh, get called in to you know, a, an academy to do a bit of that. And um, <clears throat> I just, you've got to be authentic. It's not just in music, it's in life in, in life. general. You know, you've, mm. got to, you've got to be authentic. Um, otherwise, what does it all mean, you know? That's exactly right. And I think now, uh, um, never thought our conversation would go down this path, Steve, but I love it. Like the, 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 the vulnerability side that um, particularly men, but these days, but a lot of people have been, you know, encouraged to be vulnerable and go down a path of being true to themselves. Um, mm. It would have probably been for you back then and in that type of era very difficult to do with a lot of pressure, but I know there's a lot more support these days with people trying to be more vulnerable, but it's a mm. great message that you've just had. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, it was a, it was, it was a jump off the big ship off the big cruise liner into a little tugboat, you know. What a great analogy. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I probably, um, you know, I've had some fairly good financial periods since then, but, you know, I probably, I left the big bucks job. The cruise you know. liner would have been pumping. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm sure. you know. uh, But, wow, we had some great times, you know, mm. and, and made some great music, you know, the Electric Hippies as a production team, but also as, a, as a, an act. You know, we we made some great music, and that's what we're here to do to to discover and create. With Noiseworks, we're kind of trapped a little bit into making the same record again. Mm. You know what I mean? And and I, I just refuse to do that. Yeah. Well, you've just mentioned it, and since Noiseworks, you then played and formed Electric Hippies, yeah. nineteen ninety three, Universe with Kathy Green in nineteen ninety six, mm. and then um, you joined My Sex in in yeah. two thousand eleven. But perhaps, um, and I'm not sure whether, I'm sure it would be a highlight for you, but it must have been a highlight collaborating with, with David um, Bowie on hours sessions where you're on vocals and guitar. Would, would you say that's, what, what's, your mo what's your most proudest memory? Say? Oh, man, there's, there's so many. I, I think, you know, the, probably one of the proudest moments in my life is, is um, finding that I could... Uh, stay clean mm. and, you know, wow yeah honestly because without that i'd i would probably be dead now i would probably i certainly wouldn't have this wonderful life that i have mm. you know so that's probably and probably one of the hardest things i've had to do because making music is quite easy mm. you know i think i find it just a great thing to do it's yeah like, it's, your, it's your love isn't it yeah yeah so um but you know some yeah some proud moments i mean I think before before that Bowie thing, I, I think once again the proudest moment was I'd gotten that gotten out of rehab. I was about a year clean, and everyone was telling me to to stay away from the music scene because you know what that's like, and yeah. uh, and I didn't believe that was my truth. And I had some assistance in in staying on my path. Uh, I had people to support me. I remember though, um, I had a year where I I went and I laboured. I was being a, a labourer. Right. I'd never had a proper job ever in my life. This was it, you know. Yeah. And I tell you what, with my sort of personality, you asked me to dig a hole and work from nine till three. I work from nine till three and I dig the friggin' hole, yeah. you know. <laughs> I'm going to dig the best hole you can possibly <laughs> dig. It's perfect. Right? Yeah. So, but, you know, after, 
<clears throat> I was I was digging this hole and I remember I'd had a daughter and my wife. My daughter was only months old. And I'm digging and I'm going, here's one for Catherine. It's one for Alicia. It's one for Catherine. And you have to have a break when you're digging. You yeah. Leaning on the shovel and I had this moment of clarity. I've got a gift of music. I'm digging holes. Nothing wrong with digging holes. But I said, I've got to, I've got to believe in that again. Mm. And... I left the shovel in the ground and I went and I resigned. And then I, I went home and sheepishly, you know, being the, the, the man I was, thought I was, <laughs> I had to call my dad and ask him if he'd lend me $6,000 so I could buy my first computer and electronic recording system, Pro Tools, because I could see the music industry was going that way. And he agreed. And within a little bit of time, I was actually then started making money playing music again. But in between that, I got home and I told my wife, my girlfriend at that time, I left the job. She, you know, she, she's always been very supportive, but she's gone, okay. And I remember lying there that night going, I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to work out fine. Steve. Oh, I love this message because it can relate not just to yourself, musicians, but again in life in general. And a lot of people would probably be struggling with it now. You know, we're sort of hopefully towards this end of COVID or who knows when it will fully forever get there. But that unknown and that uncertainty of that next move, of your next move, and you've been so consistent in your life in that, you know what, I'm gonna, I'll be true to myself, true to my heart. I know this is not for me. I'm going to, I'm going to go down this path now. Um, how, how did you have the courage to do that for one? And, yeah. and two, like you just said, maybe similar to what Bingham was saying with that visualization piece, you just knew that, no, this is where I'm going to, this is the path I'm going to head down. And, I, and like you said, I'm going to be okay. Maybe I'm just stupid or something. <laughs> you know, uh, because, you know, look, but you know what happened? After that, the very next day, I got a phone call from Baz Luhrmann's secretary saying that Baz had heard my voice somewhere and wanted me to audition to sing on Merlin Rouge. Wow. I went in there. I, got, I had like, because I, I sang pretty much the whole film. Anything male or crowd, and I'm still on there, a lot of it, because you know, they had to shoot the film to the music. So... Mm. Um, I had I had a year's work of that. So there you go. You know, you put yourself out there, yeah. and the safety net was there. In fact, it was more than a safety net. You know, mm. it propelled me into, you know, being music, yeah, making music again. Yeah, exactly. That's when the Bowie thing happened. Through that. Yeah, right, right, mate. Listening to your music, and um, I was fortunate enough. Your manager um, sent me your new album, and I'll put my hand up, mate. I've already listened to it four times. <laughs> <laughs> and that's in the 24, 48-hour period. But, mate, you are so dynamic. Like, um, you have such a unique blend of sort of that rock, pop, yet it's so, you know, it's sentimental with soul. And I think I read, um, I read it, which I, I love the description, a mix of David Bowie and Bob Dylan in melody with a groove, with the groove of Radiohead. And I thought it really... Um, I suppose, you know, explained your music to me um, very, very well because, like, you're a, you're a singer, you're a composer, you're a performer and you're a producer. I mean, mate, how, how, do, you, how do you do it and, and what a unique talent? I'm, I'm a pretty good wicketkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> if I had my time again, I'd be a wicketkeeper. Is that right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, it's funny, you know, you've got your gifts, clearly. Um, and we just, you know, I think we just got to believe believe in them. And, you know, we're on, you know, the existence time, you know, is so, so infinite. And, you know, we've got a splinter of it, you know. So we might as well do what we love. And, you know, I think the other thing is, you know, someone told me, way back you know there's no money in worry so you know i'm never really worried about money i've always just tried to think well okay time you know it's looking pretty 
looking pretty grim the next, the back end of the year, but uh, something happens, yeah, something pops up. Uh, what's the quote? In this, in crisis, there's always an opportunity, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, well, you spoke about, you know, the COVID thing, you know, you've developed this whole new love and passion through it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I get so much enjoyment out of doing the podcast, meeting people, having great yeah. conversations yeah. and, and mate, what an experience, you know, being in your studio now with, with you, you know, like it's just, I, I do look, I do have to pinch myself sometimes with what I've, you know, am now doing. Yeah, you, you know, but that's, you know, it's your calling. You're very, um, you're one of those people that need to be doing this. You're, you're the conduit for, for, yeah. I would love to do what you do, but I, it, it's, I couldn't do it. It's yeah. not, you know, I don't have that talent. It's funny because I don't think I'm, um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know how how to describe it, but I think I, yeah. Thank you for the compliment. But yeah, it's a, it's one of those things like you just like you like you say you just if you feel as though that's your path to, and as you said, you've only got a small little window, mm. so you may as well do what you love. So um, yeah, getting a lot of enjoyment out of Steve. Steve, <clears throat> we often talk, and certainly the guests I've had about the elite mindset of say an athlete you know, um, their determination to win and succeed. But it's, it's clear to me in order to survive the test of time like like you have in particularly in the music industry, you would need that similar positive mentality and, and mindset. Would, would that be a, a fair assumption? Oh, 100%, yeah. You need, to, you need to, you know, whether it be a song idea, you need to visualise how you want it to sound. At the end of the day, uh, whether you're doing a show, whether you've got an aspiration to get to somewhere, I think you have to see yourself there. Um, you know, just for instance, if I've got a, if I've got a show, maybe a big show, I'll, I'll visualise moments of it. You know, I'll visualise a bit of risk taking. I'll visualise a little bit of dialogue or visualise dialogue. Hang on, man. But you know, yeah, you know, I know what you mean. That, yeah. that moment of. Uh, and it's funny, you know, you go out and you play and those things generally happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just, life's just about ideas really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, have an idea and just, if you believe it in enough, enough. Yep. I think that's kind of where that whole miracle thing mm. comes in. Yeah. You believe in something enough, man. You know. How great is your belief? Can you make that happen? Yeah, and, and even as I said, I've sort of already touched on it. But going back, your your belief in in moving on from, um, say, a band or moving on from that job, or knowing that you know, and, and it happened for you. You did receive those phone calls, but that were that wasn't on uh, a fluke. Like you, you had talent, you know, and obviously, you know, you created those opportunities as as well. Yeah, you do definitely, you know, in in my business, you know, you can't just sit around and hope that things are going to happen. Uh, you know, you create ideas, you know, you create you you create answers for other people sometimes. Yeah. You know, I've got an idea, I'm going to lay on you, and if you didn't have that idea, that person would never have given you the response that you believe you can get. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. I'm going to make a song for you, and you're going to want me to produce it. Go check this out. Bang. Okay, can you produce this? And go, I knew that would happen. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Steve, before you get to your new album, I, I want to ask you, what what um, what did it mean to you to produce with the Sydney Symphony the, the new Test Cricket theme song for Fox Sports? Uh, I mean, you composed and produced an iconic theme which promises to become so profoundly entrenched within the Australian psyche, like as the Channel 9 theme was for, for generations. H how, does, how does that sit with you? Oh, man, that's a big one. I mean, I am an absolute 100% cricket tragic. And uh, when I got wind, I wasn't asked to do it. I, I heard, this is on the same night I met Binger and a few other guys, Robbo and a few, few people at, at a charity function, and I heard that Fox were going to look for a new theme and and I thought, I just went to the studio the next day and I went, I'm going to write this. Yeah. It's the same thing. I, wow. I, I was going to write the, the new theme Yeah. because 
I deserve to get it because I'm the biggest cricket fan there is and I'm a musician. And you decided it yourself. I decided I it. it was going to happen, it. right? Yeah. So I went in there and I wrote this piece of music. It's orchestral, right? I'm a, you know, a rock yeah. guy, you know. Yeah. Just spurted out some kind of rock <laughs> orchestral thing in my brain. Uh, I wrote it because I thought as a music lover, uh, as a cricket lover, what do I want the new theme to be like? And I knew that the managements would be thinking it's got to be modern and I won't let them mess around with the modern rubbish. Yeah. We want a call to arms. Mm. Right? Ba, 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 ba. It's on. Yeah. Test match cricket's on. Right? So I went in there and I wrote it, sent it to, to Buzzard. Um, you know, obviously they'd, they'd gone, gone to production houses all around the country, mm. so they had a lot of submissions. Um, and everyone liked it, really, everyone really liked it. But um, the bosses or the middle management were thinking, you know, I think it's Great Southern Land. We want Great Southern Land. And I'm going, wow, I love Great Southern Land, great song. But as a cricket fan, I don't want to hear dum, dum, Great Southern Land at the beginning of it. <clears throat> An Ashes series. No. Nah. Serious? Yeah. I go, hey. Anyway, they went around. It took them about... Six months, and then the big boss came in and said, "What do we got?" And we got Bowie singing, we got Great Southern, and we got this, and he's gone. It's that. Got so, the nod. Got the nod. <laughs> so, mate, you know, and and since then it's been wonderful because I've you know I've become really good mates with Binger, and and I just love my cricket so much. I love hearing the stories, and I feel like I've contributed something. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, cricket. absolutely. And mate, I believe you just mentioned Bingo, Brett Lee, one of our both of our great mates. You, I, I hear, is there a collaboration on the cards with uh, well, with Bingo? You know that guy. He came to one of my shows uh, a couple of months back now. You know, I was backstage after the show, just chilling out for a bit, and the next thing you know, he's got the guitar out, people all around. He was there till three in the morning singing songs. He just loves it. He genuinely loves it. And he's genuinely got a really good groove. And and so, you know, spend time with him and you're bound to play a bit. And um, I've written this song called Australia Summer. And it's sort of a, it's sort of a, there's a cricket theme in there a little bit, you know. Uh, I love the title. Dive into the water blue, hearts of green and gold. Uh, Cricket on the sand with you while the tide is low. The hunters play the holy grail uh, and we're all champions, so we say, you know. Yeah. This is Australia. This is our summer. It's really good. It's really cool. Mm. And I want to record it because I think it's really great. And um, so, yeah, I'm going to probably this week I'll make it cool. I'll get the drums down to it. And when old mate gets back from... Yeah. From uh, where, is, where is he? In? Is he in India? Or I think it's um, uh, United Arab Emirates. Emirates, yeah, yeah. yeah. When they get back, uh, we'll yeah have yeah. a crack at it. There you go, Steve. Your new album titled "I Think I Know for Sure" was produced and made entirely by yourself during lockdown. Now a couple of things here. You you make and produce every single noise on every song with it with a little help from Pete Drummond on two of the songs on drums on Sorry and Make It Right, but everything else is you and 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 only you, mate. That that's incredible for one. You record an entire album and you build a brand new studio which we're sitting in now, mate. <laughs> You've been busy the last couple of months. No, oh, mate. When you got how many kids were there? Oh, four kids. And you've got four <laughs> kids. You get used to being busy. Yeah, yeah. I'm a busy person. Yeah. I, I like to be doing something. I, I, I never, I would chill out probably about 12.30, 1 o'clock. I'd chill out, maybe watch a bit of an episode or something, talk my, try and con myself into going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mate. And so what does this new album mean to you, Steve? Like, I think I know for sure. I've really enjoyed it. As I said, I've listened to it already four times. But what does it mean to you? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a. It's it's about humility, really, and kind of looking around. I mean, you know, um, there's always that dreaded possibility when someone says, "I made a record in in isolation." That it's going to be doom and gloom. It's quite opposite. Basically, I started out sitting at the kitchen table with my guitar spending time, days with my children 
and nights in the bedroom doing whatever and making songs, you know, and I just thought, COVID, wow, big pandemic. Wow, not, you don't get to live through that too often. It's pretty serious stuff. And, and I just wrote a song that, you know, all I really own is this moment. Mm. Right, that we're here now, all this stuff, it's all going to go. Um, I think I know for sure, you know. Yeah. <laughs> who, who knows? Love the you know, So yeah. uh, basically, and because I was limited with not being able to get, you know, me, other musicians, I thought, well, I'm going to have to play drums. And I've wanted to do that all my life anyway because I play a little bit, but I'm going to say a little bit, a little bit, you know. <laughs> so I thought I'm going to have to make a simple record. And I thought... You know, COVID and isolation made me think about the things that are really important to me. And we touched on it earlier, but bands like the Beatles and Bowie and Dylan's and, you know, without those guys, I don't know, I think they're the reason I started playing music. They're right? your inspiration, yeah. So I thought, I'm just going to make a record that's sort of homage because it's in me. That, that sort of music is just so easy to make and I always think that I should be making a really modern sounding record just to stay, keep my feet on the ground, you know, be, be current. I just thought, no, I'm just going to make a really natural record. It's going to be really simple. It's going to be reminiscent of the music that I loved and I got sick and tired of all the old folk, all my, my demographic going, oh, they don't make music like they used to. Well, I did. <laughs> You did. So, yeah. you know, it's just really simply making making a really honest record of the music that I love and not caring at all about the end result or where it goes. What a great way to be. You seem really proud of it, mate. I am actually really proud of it. And, you know, the the studio is orange because when I set up in the room after I'd busted up the studio, I had a little bit of gear in a bedroom up there Um I just had some orange paint and I painted it orange because I didn't want it to be like granny, granny sort of beige, you know. <laughs> so, um, and I made a really positive record. It was really up vibe. Mm. And, you know, you walk into a room that's orange and you sort of feel. You do. Mate, I stood up. You, you, feel, you feel up. So yeah. I decided to stick with orange and, um, yeah, it's a really good feeling record. Yeah. Even though there's, there's lyrically there's some pre- it's warts and all, you know. Uh, mm. I haven't changed that part of, of what I do. The lyric is very honest. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's, nah. it's good. Well done, mate. Hey, um, you, you've got a new music video as well for My Sunshine. Mm. Now, I believe it's about to re be released or ske is it scheduled for this Friday or I coming up? I believe so, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. so that'll be coming out sh shortly and I'll certainly put all this in the, in the show notes as well. Mate, final couple of questions. Three life lessons or pieces of advice you would pass on to those wanting to follow their dreams? Yep. Okay. Um, be authentic. And if somebody says no, doesn't mean it's, it's no. I mean, if your mum tells you don't put your finger in there... In the toaster, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I believe. Just, yeah, I, I feel like you've got to believe anything is possible. Push the boundaries. And why couldn't it happen to you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the third, I guess it, it all. The third, I think, and they kind of all come under the same umbrella. But I think integrity is is essential. Mm. Having integrity as a human being will will give you the respect and honour of, of others that will then trust you to, to give you the new ball. Mm. Well put. Yeah. Well put, Steve. Mate, before we end up, I'd, I'd love to, if it's okay, you've, you've already mentioned it, all I own is, would you be happy to maybe jump on the guitar and, um, mate, give me, a, give me a bit of a track? Okay. Uh, I've got a couple of issues, but I, I, oh, okay. I don't think I have. No, no let me. Yep, yeah, I'm going to play you something. Okay. But then, this is a, not my guitar, but it should be all right. Sorry, mate, I've put you on the spot here. Uh, mate, if I can't handle the spot by now, <laughs> there's a problem. Well, mate, you handed 10,000 people uh, as a 16, 17 year old. So. 
Here we are, guys. Steve Belby. If, if you don't mind, please. Mm. All I own is pretty high, and I haven't really sung. Okay, so yeah. I'm just going to. Your choice. It, Go for it. it. in my old man's E.H. Holden and hearing this song for the first time it affected me it was one of those things it's a Bob Dylan song wow Once upon a time you dressed so fine Threw the bombs a dime in your prime yes. Didn't you? And people called, said beware dog You're bound to fall, they thought they're all and Kidding you And you used to laugh about Everybody that was hanging out Now you don't seem so proud Now you don't talk so loud Having to be scrounging For your next meal And how does it feel, yeah Does it feel now, now, now to be on your own with no direction home like a complete unknown? A rolling stone. You're gonna find a school or ride me slowly, but. You know you used to only get Juiced in it Nobody taught you how to live on the street Now you find out you gotta get You used to it You used to talk about Everybody that was hanging out now you don't talk so loud Now you don't seem so proud To be on your next meal And how does it feel Mate, that is unbelievable. That, no worries, mate, mate I, I was recording it, obviously recording here, but I, I just, 
I just sat back, mate, and enjoy- that was amazing. Thank, oh, thanks so much. That was really, really uh, amazing. There's about another four verses, and I think I forgot that second one there, so I thought I'd just cut it short. Mate, you know. Steve, I just want to acknowledge you, mate. I'm, I'm, for everything you've achieved in your life, um, and, mate, what an incredible career in the music industry, and, and it's still going. Um, but, mate, I, I have so much respect for you. I, I really am inspired by your Never give up and positive attitude, which we've spoken about today. And, um, mate, it's truly been an experience I'll never forget. Being here in, in your house, thanks for having me, and, and in your studio here. So, and, mate, learning all about your journey in life as well. So, um, mate, again, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and um maybe uh maybe don't tell bigger but i'd maybe i should get on the guitar with you at some stage i don't know i I can i can see a bit of a pizza night at bingers coming on pretty soon i reckon it could be a chance pizzas and guitars (laughs) exactly steve where where can people find you your your new album your website i'll again put it all in the show notes yeah website's a good place to go or you know instagram yep so steve Steve belby.com and yeah, steve, yep. yeah, or Instagram. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Mate, final question. What is your definition of success? Um, yeah, there's, there's a, a doing the best you can. Oh, you know, um, yeah, authenticity. Yeah. Being, being who you really are. Yeah, somewhere along the line, you find out you're not as great, you're not as bad as you think you are. (laughs) Mate, well, thank you so much again, Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, mate. Thanks so much. Thank you, brother. Outstanding. Wow, I seriously can't get the smile off my face. Steve Belby, guys, what a lovely man. An incredible story, a distinguished music career. Not without its battles and challenges, but what I really took out of this chat was the importance of being authentic, following your true passion and purpose in life and believing that anything is possible. It was such a privilege to have Steve on the show. And make sure you check out Steve's website, stevebelby.com and his Instagram account at stevebelby for the upcoming tour dates and the new album, I think I know for sure. And just a reminder, guys, if you enjoyed this episode today, please share it with your friends. Tag me on Instagram and subscribe to Apple iTunes and Spotify accounts so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, you guys know what to do. Get out there, face those fears and live those dreams. You'll be okay.